What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and today I had a very special guest on the show, the newest member of the POP family, Coach Taylor Higginbotham joined me, and we had an amazing conversation. Her story is a powerful one that you definitely want to hear, especially if you are struggling with your relationship with food, any sort of disordered eating tendencies. Taylor was a high-level basketball player. Uh, she reached the Division One level and competed in the NCAA tournament. So we talked about disordered eating in female athletics. And her story is absolutely one that you are going to want to hear. And so I'm just going to shut up and let you listen. Um, if you enjoy the episode, please let us know about it. Just tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and tag Taylor. And that is at Taylor Higginbotham. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's T-A-Y-L-O-R-H-I-G-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am joined by a very special guest. I have Taylor Higginbotham with me. Hopefully I pronounced your last name right. Um, at this point, I should have enough practice since you are the newest member of the POP family, which I'm super excited about. Um, Taylor just joined as our newest coach, and I feel like we are so in alignment with just our personal philosophies around nutrition and fitness and training and all of that. Um, so it is truly an honor to have you as part of the team. But before we get into your story, which is the main reason why I wanted to have have you on. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. And you definitely nailed the pronunciation of the last name. <laughs> all right, perfect. Yeah, I've had a few reps at this point. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think that the biggest thing for me uh, when I started following you, and it was actually, you know, one of our other coaches, Danny, who was like, hey, you have to follow Taylor. She's amazing. Look at her story. And um, I just started following you on social and definitely resonated with your message. Um, and so I'm glad that we are able to now work together and uh, kind of, you know, be on this path of really just changing the way that the the diet industry um, operates and trying to do our part in educating and, and, you know, producing real whole person transformations and just really understanding the individual needs with every single client that we encounter. And I think that that's how change happens. It's really just one person at a time. Um, I know I talk about this a lot, but the, the diet industry is obviously well-funded and, the marketing is is kind of brilliant, and they um, are unfortunately like a powerhouse that uh, has a strong grip on the direction that our society goes in terms of nutrition. But I think that it's just individuals like yourself, where like one person at a time, if we can educate and produce real transformation, not just the quick fix and not just the one size fits all approach that we will make the difference that we set out to. Um, so let's start with the very beginning of your story and just kind of like your journey into fitness, kind of where it all began. And, and we'll just start from there. Yeah, the very beginning feels like it was forever ago. I mean, I'm only 23 years old, but it just feels like a lot has been packed into the few years when I think about my um, story when it comes to health and fitness, but it really started way back when I was young, probably about the age of six, seven. And it just started as like driveway sports with my brother and my cousins. Um, I've always been super duper active, always led a pretty healthy lifestyle. Um, and I feel like I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. But then I really found a deep passion and love for the game of basketball 
And that definitely goes to um, my cousin and my brother too, for just being big old athletic guys that I was able to kind of be beat up by, you know, playing basketball in the driveway and stuff. So I really give a lot of credit to them for helping me become as good as I was because without them, I would have just been doing it by myself and that's no fun. So um, yeah, I've always been really into sports, into basketball and it became my dream to play um, basketball at the division one level when I was pretty young. So I got involved with AAU basketball, which is basically club summer ball. Um, and I loved it. We got to travel. I found some of my very best friends because of it. Um, and that's kind of how I've gotten close with pretty much everybody I'm close with is through um, sports and stuff. So I've always loved and never really had to worry about the exercise part of my lifestyle. And when it came to the nutrition side of it, I never really worried about it. I was very lucky to have a mom who was an amazing cook. Um, and she always cooked dinners for us, you know, probably four, three to four to five times a week and then having leftovers, which I'm a huge leftover gal. So um, I was always eating good home cooked food, which I think is also another blessing that I had. And so I never really worried about how much I ate or what I ate. It was just, you know, I have good food in front of me. So I ate. And so when it came to high school and I actually did have my dream come true of playing college basketball um, and signed my national letter of intent to play at Western Illinois University. I still had the same mindset. I still didn't worry about food because I was super duper active. Um, I loved the weight room. I loved working out. It was one of my favorite parts of my day, whether it was basketball or in, in the weight room. Um, I just loved being active. And so even in college, I never really worried about what I ate, when I ate, how much I ate. It was just, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat, whatever. Um, and then, you know, it kind of changes when you go to college and you have this, this freedom, but you're also kind of limited when it comes to living in the dorms and you don't have as much freedom and options to good food. I mean, unfortunately, we're all kind of aware that the dorm food isn't our favorite. Um, and so I actually became really close with a lot of the older girls because I came in as the only freshman on the team. And so I became really close with the girls that were living off of campus and I actually started eating out a lot. Um, I didn't want the dorm food as often and they were going out to eat after practice. So just catching a ride with them was the easier, more fun thing to do. Um, and I still like, I always made good choices. I wouldn't say I ever just ate like crap, but I never really worried about food either. Um, and so I had to live in the dorms for my freshman and my sophomore year. Um, and I had two amazing years, basketball-wise, friends-wise, life-wise. Um, I really can't complain. And I, my sophomore year was especially a really good year. We went and we actually made it to the NCAA tournament. And that was something I couldn't even dream of coming true, um, going to play at Western Illinois. And we just, my team, we were so close. We had so much fun together. And it really translated to how we played. And so we made it to the NCAA tournament. And then I, I got older and now I had, I was going to be living in an apartment off campus um, and I was going to have more control over the choices I made in terms of um, food and my schedule and things like that. And I kind of made it my point that year um, to just get into better shape. And when I say that and I look back on it, I kind of get confused with myself because I was one of the strongest on the team. 
I was always going in and doing extra work with playing and shooting and hitting the weight room. Like there was nothing that should have made me feel I needed to be better, but I just, I've always been competitive and I had this nature that I just wanted to be the best. And it definitely goes towards a perfectionist mindset too, um, which sometimes works in my disadvantage, especially when it comes to a lot of the things that I struggled with. Um, so when it came to my junior year, I really just put more of a focus on the food part just because I could cook for myself. And so I wanted to know more about that piece and I was um, majoring in exercise science. And so I really was learning a lot about the body and still not a ton about the nutrition side, but you know, you get the basics. So I was just kind of trying to buy good food and eat good food, but I still wouldn't say I was super, like I wasn't restrictive and I wasn't I never had like shame or guilt with having ice cream or cookies or pizza or going out on the weekends. Like I never really struggled with that. I just put more of an emphasis on being healthier. Um, and then through my junior year, it was still a great year. Um, I definitely got into just a little bit better shape and that I just think like my body composition just looked a little bit differently because I was making a little bit better food choices and it was great and started to hear like, you know, the comments of, wow, you look really strong, you know, like this, that, and the other thing about the external look. And then somewhere along the way, I just kept thinking like I wanted to, it wanted it to be better, wanted it to be better, wanted it to be better. I mean, again, I was playing really well. I was lifting a lot of weight. Like I was feeling really good physically, but I just started to transition into this place where I, it didn't, it was all about the external and it was all about getting what, what other people thought. And I hate admitting that because it's so hard that that's kind of where my mindset went because I really let go of who I was on the inside. And that's really hard for me because I look back on it and I, like I said, I had all these really good things going for me and somehow I just still didn't believe that it was good enough. And so through my junior year, again, had another successful year, but then it was senior year. And I just, it's like, I felt this pressure to be this like perfect model of, you know, the, the athlete on camp. I don't, I don't even know. Like when I try to think back to what my, what was going through my head, it's like, I can't even really comprehend everything. Um, but that's, that's just the hard part, right. Is it, be, it can become so mental. And that's what I realized a little bit later is that it was such a mental, mental game. Um, and so that's when I kind of going into senior year, I was, I cracked down was like, I need to get in the best shape possible. And when I think about the best shape possible, it's like somehow the best shape possible turned into having like the magazine cover abs and, you know, having that external look when being an athlete and being strong and capable and, you know, fueling your body. And that's, that what should have been what I saw as healthy, but it somehow didn't all of a sudden wasn't about who I was on the inside. And, you know, it was more about how I felt others looked at me. And I think that's a part of being an athlete. It's, it's hard with that pressure to, to perform, to, you know, be this model. And I felt like I had to look the part and what actually ended up happening was trying to look the part affected how I actually played the part. Um, and it really, it really hit my, my game a lot. Um, but I tried, it was then through that summer going into my senior year when, all the can't haves happened, the long list 
of cutting things out, being really strict on myself. And I really started by only looking at calories. Like I didn't care. Like I was still making really clean choices. Like that was another thing I struggled with. It had to be like really clean foods. And I struggled if it was coming to like eating out or eating foods cooked by other people because I didn't know what they were cooking with. And so I got really fixated on it being like clean and healthy foods. Um, and then, you know, going into my senior year, then it, I, I did lose a ton of weight and so-called maybe had that external look I was wanting, but who I was got hit so hard. Um, and I struggled with anxiety and, and a lot of things when it came to food and social events. And that's not a place you want to be at when you're about to be a college senior. Um, I also had a really good relationship who's now my fiance, who's my um, boyfriend at the time. He had graduated. He was a year older than me. And so that was something that I knew was, it was kind of hard and playing a part was, you know, how was that going to affect us? And it was like, now it's time to try to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And what am I going to do after college? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to be? And it just started to feel like it was all these things I had to try to juggle. And I was, I was just lost in the mix of it, but I knew that I could try to, you know, my food, what I did with my food and what I did with my fitness. And so I (laughs) worked out as often as I could because it felt like then I didn't have to worry about other things. Um, And I just tried to focus on not eating a ton. And so not eating a ton became very little um, and not really focusing on getting good protein and carbohydrates to fuel being an athlete, all these things that I just missed. Um, And I, I just had my focus definitely in the wrong, in the wrong places, but unknowingly, like I was very uneducated, even though I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, and so it was kind of like the first month of my senior year. And one of my really good friends and roommates kind of came to me and, and said something to me about, you know, like you're, you're very, very skinny. Like you have, you know, you're, I, I'm worried about you type of situation. And I could tell it was from like a very, very loving and caring place. And that meant a lot to me. And that's when I started to get help, so to say. And I put that in quotes because I knew help is what I should want and help was what I needed. I was going through a lot of like binging and then shame and guilt and restriction and food anxiety and just a horrible relationship with food. And I was very tense all the time, very food focused. I couldn't, I just kept looking at the clock to see when was the next time I could finally eat again. And like all these things that I should not have been struggling with as a senior that I know weren't normal. Um, and I needed, I needed to get out of with help, but I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really want the help yet. Um, and so that was hard. And, but I did, I went and I got, I got a, um, I guess like one of the school counselors and I had seen her throughout the year and I would say it helped because it gave me a place to kind of release everything, but I was never taking the things we talked about and actually implementing them because I didn't want to change yet. It wasn't something I wanted, but I, I wanted to want it. Like I so desperately wanted to want it and I so desperately wanted to change, but I just didn't yet. Um, and so senior year was really hard. Still had great friends, still had great family and slowly started to clue them in on what was going on. And I think I truly believed I had them fooled. But those people that know me well, you know, no, I I wasn't fooling them at all. Um, But it was hard. It was like people were walking on eggshells around me just trying to (laughs) I I don't even know. Um, But so then once senior year was kind of over, um, I moved back home. And that's when I finally kind of started to really want help. I was 
first I didn't though. Like I was still really struggling because basketball is over and I was like, oh no, now I'm not going to have like my workouts all the time. I'm going to gain all this weight. Like it's going to be terrible. So I still was spending a lot of time in the gym, still really, you know, not eating probably as much as I should have and not really, really still having a bad relationship with food to the point where I cut out peanut butter. And let's talk about this for a second. (laughs) Peanut butter deserves to be its own food group, but I was at this position where it's like, that's a fat. I can't have that. It's going to make me fat, blah, blah, blah. So it was just really intense. My, my struggle with food. Um, and slowly, but surely I started to realize like it's real life. It's real life. Now I don't have basketball. I don't have the pressures of being that perfect, you know, individual on campus. And I'm really needing to just learn how to live a healthy life without basketball. And that was hard. That was really hard. Um, and I, I started to get actually into CrossFit and I was really scared though, to start it because it was going to be new. It was going to be new movements and I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of it, you know, in front of new people and stuff like that. And I finally got the courage about three months after graduating to walk into a CrossFit gym. Um, and my life just, it really changed. It was, it was weird. It was like, a couple weeks into doing CrossFit, like a switch flipped. It was like, I was really ready, like seriously ready to make changes. And that actually really happened when I got a nutrition coach for myself. I knew I couldn't keep eating the way that I was. Um, and I couldn't keep having the mindset that I was, if I was going to be like an actual healthy, happy, well-rounded individual in, in real life and being able to do real life things like go on a vacation without worrying and go out to dinner without worrying and spend a weekend with David, who's my now fiance without worrying, you know? Um, and so things needed to change. And the nutrition coach I got there really changed my life because he gave me the confidence I needed to know that what I was putting into my body was really, truly helping to get me where I wanted to be. I couldn't get myself to believe, believe that I needed more food until somebody that I trusted was telling me that. Um, and that's where coaching it's, it's, it really saved my life. I, I will forever believe that. Um, and so insert my desire to become a nutrition coach. Um, as I always loved the health and fitness world, um, I, I never really suspected I would want to do coaching. Um, but as I went through this, I just started to develop like, first of all, this love for learning more about food and how it helped your body and fueled your body and changed your body. Um, but on top of that, how you don't, I wanted to save people from the journey that I, I went through from the, the stress, the anxiety, the actual, just, you know, like I, I, I really hated life for a few for a few months there, just trying to have some sort of external appeal when it, you know, that there's so much more to life than that. And so I just wanted to be able to help others um, as soon as I could in their fitness journey to prevent them from going as deep and dark into it as I did. Um, and so that's when I started to look into getting my certification in nutrition coaching and I will never, ever regret the decision in my entire life. I didn't know what I was going to do with the certification, what I could do, but all I knew is I wanted to use it and be more knowledgeable to be able to help people. And actually that's when I really started to want to change Um, because I started to realize that if I'm going to be preaching these things to people, I have to I have to be able to do them myself. And so it was going through these things that I knew I was going to preach to other people that I actually kind of helped coach myself 
to try and to experience and to, you know, to know that those things actually work, that that's actually that eating a cookie after dinner sometimes, because you really feel like it isn't going to make me be 10 pounds heavier tomorrow. (laughs) And like taking the time to actually experience this and, and work on my own struggles through knowledge is what made me want to help others become more knowledgeable because a more knowledgeable person is a more successful person through this journey. You know, you can't just here you go, eat protein, eat carbs, you know, without telling why you're eating that and what it's going to do for you and how it's going to help you get to where you want to be. Um, and that's where, you know, you and I align so much. It's in that education and it's in telling people the, like the, the how to, rather than just like the, what to do, um, that I really, really made, you know, part of my mission to help people, um, make their journey more enjoyable by being more knowledgeable about what they're doing. Um, and so that kind of, you know, led me to listening to podcasts and listening to you. And then, you know, what actually really got this started was listening to your podcast with Danny. Um, and then her and I just kind of connected through social media and it, the rest is kind of history. Like it just started to fall into place and it's been, it's been so amazing for, um, you know, me career wise, but me like mentally and, and health wise, like being able to go through the the learning and this the certification is is where I knew I wasn't I I wanted to use this knowledge to help others and that's just that's just the bottom line of what we do it's it's for helping others and and helping others be their best version but in a more enjoyable way and not just you know telling you you can't eat this and you must eat this and then you must go to the gym and you'll be good to go like there is just so much more to it um and so experiencing coaching for myself and the wonders that I did for my life just made me want to help others um you know along their way yeah yeah and there's so many powerful takeaways um the biggest like early takeaway that I had in your story is the fact that sometimes as athletes we associate um health or performance um as external like you said there was this focus on well I've got the abs now so I must be doing something right um and and my mentor Jason Phillips he kind of coined this like triangle of awareness concept which is you know you've got three points of the triangle you've got performance you've got body composition and you've got longevity and so as an athlete if I'm driving all the way up to that performance corner of the triangle I'm taking away from body composition and from longevity because let's be honest if I am trying to just fuel for performance only. Uh, I shouldn't care about whether I have abs or what my body fat percentage is. I should care about fueling that activity, uh, which means that I should probably be in a surplus or at maintenance at least. If I'm trying to drive towards the body composition end of that triangle, then I need to be in a deficit. I need to be losing body fat. If I'm trying to get to you know stage lean, and I'm talking about the extreme of body comp, of trying to get down to like single digit body fat percentage, or if I'm trying to compete in bodybuilding or bikini or whatever the case may be, um, it's going to, it's going to make it really difficult for me to perform because I don't have enough fuel to support the activity. And both in both, in both scenarios, you're pulling away from longevity because if I want to live to a hundred, well, living to a hundred is probably not going to happen if I'm constantly at single digit body fat percent, if I'm 5% body fat, or if I'm always in a deficit and always trying to get leaner and leaner. And on the same token, like if you just think about high level athletes and what they're putting their body, there's a lot of strain that's going um, into high performance. So like an NFL player, 
likely is at uh, has has worse odds of living to a hundred. So you're just taking away there's 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 obviously that that middle of the triangle where you can kind of focus on all things. But the more extreme you go in one direction, the more you pull away from the other points. And I think that's like the early thing that as you're telling your story of feeling like you know you're you're a division one college athlete you're you know playing at the highest level and you're focused on the external and 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 thinking that that would help with performance and actually hindered performance um that's something that so many athletes go through especially i'll I'll say especially female athletes because i think there's a lot of pressure oh you're an athlete and sometimes we have this image of what that means and then you have other people who are kind of telling you like oh you look so great and then it just reinforces it Um, the other thing that i think hits home with me on such a deep personal level is the fact that you had no signs of a poor relationship with food all up and through, you know, all the way through your, you know, childhood, all the way up until college. And and I was the exact same way. Like I legit remember I have, I've, I've openly shared this before. Um, my oldest sister um, almost lost her life to anorexia. So, you know, disordered eating was in my family. Um, pretty much every member of my family has struggled in some way, shape or form. And I remember being, like, you know, I was so athletic and so active that I was the fortunate one where I thought like, I'm the fortunate one who never has to think about food. Like I could put away food and stay lean. And, and cause I was just always playing sports. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, I don't know why people like worry so much about what they eat. Like it doesn't, and it just didn't connect. And then I find myself, you know, graduating college and ending up going through this, like, chronic dieting and yo-yo dieting and restrict and binge as like an individual who never in a million years thought that I would be the one to have those same issues that I witnessed in the people that were closest to me. Um, and, and I, you know, your story really hit home to the fact that there was no indication that you were going to struggle with, you know, a poor relationship with food. And it just shows that it can happen to anyone at any time. And it can be um, kind of sneaky in the way that it pops up. Like it doesn't just show up one day. Uh, it kind of manifests over time in small, subtle ways. And I think that that's where a lot of the marketing and the messaging um, sometimes with, you know, pursuing better health. And I'm putting that in air quotes because sometimes health can be disguised as disordered eating. And sometimes we can use that as an excuse to like only eat clean foods like you talked about, never having the cookie and never going out to eat and only focusing on like the most whole quality food sources. And it becomes an obsession. Um, And I think that there's like I said, it's just this uh, the messaging of how you should look and, you know, what that supposed to be and you're, you're trying to manage other people's expectations. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in that place where it's like becomes a debilitating fear of eating certain foods or gaining weight or, you know, going out and being social. Um, so I want to talk about like the, the switch of, you know, what happened to like, you know, you, you went through that experience and you started to realize, I'm sure that like, you know, your performance was suffering that, you know, your game was suffering. And then, um, you know, you, you were kind of in this spot where you thought that people weren't noticing, but they really were. And you weren't ready to make that change, even though it sounds like that point you were in the awareness stage where you kind of were aware of it. Um, what do you feel like, like mentally got you to the place of, all right, I wasn't ready to make this change, but now I am. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to the triangle that you were talking about. And I through still through like my whole entire senior season, I 
like I said, I was still stuck in that. I know what I'm doing isn't ideal. It's not right. And I should want to change, but I just, I don't want to, like I was, I was almost, you know, happy to have the external that I had, um, and, and didn't really care that I don't want to say I didn't care because I did, but I was just still too focused on the outside than really worrying about, you know, I was like, well, my senior year is almost done in a way. But then I kind of went through these periods where I was like, but it's my senior year. Like I, I want to be better. Like I want to feel way better than I do. And it was like this back and forth that I had a lot of my senior year. Um, and I would say like maybe the last month of my senior season is when I, I did feel a little bit better. And I was definitely putting more effort into eating a little bit more and feeling better but then basketball got done and it, the, the restrictions started over again, like I said, because of that fear of um, weight gain and not really knowing what direction to take my kind of like my exercise side of my, my health. Um, and so when I really decided to make the switch, like the change and, and really change my behavior um, was first of all, like I said, through the nutrition coach, but then on top of that, the, um, certification, but the, the true part that did it for me was learning about the, um, female hormones and reproductive system and how eating can really, really affect that. Um, and the, knowing the body composition that I was at in no way, shape or form was that an environment where I, I could be a mother. Um, and that scared the crap out of me. Um, because being a mom, I've always loved kids and I've always wanted to be a mom. It's something that I, I know is, is something I, I, I want so desperately. And when I learned about how eating food was such a, um, a, a strong component to being able to really carry a healthy child and be healthy, um, for that, I, it, it was really that switch flipped. It was like, I cannot do what I'm doing anymore. If I want this to be, you know, that longevity, if I want to be a long, long-term healthy individual and be a good mom and be a good um, role model for my kids and, and how to have a healthy relationship with food and, you know, choose healthy foods, but enjoy the cake, the candy, the cupcakes, whatever um, throughout that. I needed, I needed to change and I needed to get serious about making that change. And I think that is, that was truly what really did it for me. Um, and, and as I started to kind of use that as my, my why and my, um, kind of my motivator in those, those times when I still really struggled, um, to continue to eat more and to not have the shame and guilt after eating, um, the, cheesecake and custard are my two really big ones. Um, if you say ice cream is better than custard, we will fight. <laughs> but um, Those are my two big ones. And it was like, I, I, I knew that I had to um, learn to enjoy all those things together to be, you know, healthy for, for the rest of my life. It wasn't any more about right now. Um, and it no longer became about what I look like on the outside. And it really, really became um, who I was, on the inside from the mental perspective and, and then to just, you know, physiology wise, like there was those two things that was like, I need to make a change. Um, and I started to also to realize the relationships that I was having really suffered, um, because of the, the restrictions that, you know, it makes you more irritable. It makes you food focused. It makes you moody. It makes you more angry. Um, I, I exploded easily. So, 
I knew I was also hurting so many of these great people around me that just loved me so much and wanted me so badly to get better. And I was really, really hurting them. Um, I wasn't just hurting myself anymore. I was really hurting these people. And when I think about the fact that there's this, this core group of people that um, loved me through that so much, um, I started also to believe like I, I owed it to them to really, really work on myself for my future self and for them. Um, and I, and it's not to say that I don't still struggle. I still have hard days. Um, but to, to be able to not be focused on hitting, um, every single macro to the gram and not be worried about if I want to go and grab a Reese's peanut butter cup and not be worried when it's a friend's birthday and we're going out to eat. Um, those things it's it feels so so good um to be in this place but it's it's hard to look back on the journey and what was really hard was not to compare myself to who I was before restricting happened um and not to want so desperately to be in a different place it was where meeting myself where I was at um and just doing what I could to be just a little bit better um, each day. Like I said, for myself and the mom that I want to be, but then also for um, the people that were in my life. Yeah. And I think that that perspective is so important that it doesn't happen overnight, that it is a process. And I think it's a forever process really, which is also sometimes can feel overwhelming, but I actually think that that's like the beauty in the whole thing is that we're never, we've never made it. Like we, we never get to a point where it's like, okay, the work is done. Now I can just like kick my feet up and relax. And I think that that's actually the gift in the whole thing is like, there's always something to improve on. There's always an area to get better. And I think that, you know, for me, that is the exciting part like no matter how much I accomplish or how far I've come and sometimes it's cool just to like look back and be like man I remember when I would literally like tell my friends that I was sick because I didn't want to go out and not know how to track my food and I would just sit home and eat my chicken and broccoli by myself and and think that I was doing it in the name of health and all the experiences that I missed out on and I think about like man I've come a long way but guess what I've still got a long way to go and I think that that's like a really cool perspective that it, it doesn't happen overnight and there will be days where those thoughts creep back in and there will be times where you struggle but it's just we we keep moving forward, we keep, you know, getting back up every time we fall down and, and just putting in those reps and, and needing that. But, I, you know, I know we have a lot of moms that listen to the show. So I think that the perspective of like setting an example for kids and thinking about it from, first of all, the physiological side, like you mentioned, and the hormonal implications and just like the environment that you're creating in your body to be able to have kids. But beyond that, the thing that you touched on is really something that I don't think people talk about enough, which is the person that you become when you're constantly obsessed and restricting. Um, I know for myself, like I wouldn't have wanted to be around me. And, you know, if you're, if you're a mother, like that's the, the version of yourself that you're showing up at, you know, to your kids and to the people around you. And kids are so perceptive. So they will pick up on everything, your relationship with, you know, with your spouse or your partner, your relationship with food, um, how you talk to yourself, your relationship with yourself, kids will pick up on all of that. And that's really the example that you're setting. So I think that 
that takeaway, uh, we often only think about it from like the physical or the physiological, but I really think it's more about like, you know, how you're actually showing up. And if you're constantly depriving and restricting and all the things that you can't have, um, you may think that you're covering it up, but I promise you that the people closest to you are absolutely aware. Um, and that's the example that you're setting. So I think that that, you know, that takeaway is huge. Um, when you look at the the process of, okay, like you cut out peanut butter, something that you absolutely love. And, um, you know, going from only focusing on like clean whole foods and having that food anxiety, do you remember like some of the first steps that you took to be like, okay, I can have this Reese's peanut butter cup and I'm going to be okay. Do you remember what that looked like? Yeah, it was actually kind of like a, I would say an exercise given to me by um, who I was seeing as kind of my therapist at the time um, to grab some of those foods that I really love and, you know, just maybe have a little, a little piece of it or um, parts of it. And that was something I couldn't do because I'm one of those that's like, if it's in front of me, I'm going to eat it and I'm going to eat a lot of it if I haven't had it in a long time. Um, And so I knew that was going to be really hard for me to do. And I was really, really nervous to do that. I'm just going to call it the exercise that she gave me for the, it was kind of my assignment for the week. Um, and I really didn't, I didn't want to. And I, I definitely, it would come a couple of days in a row where I was like, I can do it. And then I was like, nope, because it's like this power that you feel by saying no to it. It's like this, this sense of power that you get by, by continuing the restriction. It feels like, I'm giving into something if I have it. Um, and so that was something that was hard for me for, for quite a bit, but then really I remember exactly what food it was too. It's those, um, Velveeta breakfast biscuits. Do you know what I'm talking about? They have like a million flavors now, but I was like, I loved the blueberry ones. We literally Um, have them here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They're, they're amazing. Um, and that was something I loved. And that was something that we had, it was called a fuel station outside of, um, kind of the gym that would be open kind of before practices. And that was one of the things that they had there. Um, and it was something I really liked to have before practices, but it was one thing I, I told myself I couldn't have because it was so many carbs and it was going to be too much for me for the day. And it had sugar in it and it, it wasn't that clean. So I couldn't have it. Um, but then I remembered that that was the food that I that I was going to, I was going to have again. Um, and honestly, like I, I remember being sitting there before practice, going back and forth with myself, this like internal battle, you know, and I just ended up, you know, Taylor, just, just have it, like, just have it, just see what happens. Um, and it, I kind of tried to change my mindset from there's power in saying no to there's so much power in saying yes. Um, and so when I did that and I had it, I, I, I really actually experienced a difference in how I felt in practice um, because that was something that was really hard as I dragged through a lot of practice. I was practices. I was tired through a lot of practices. My, you know, I felt like my legs were led, you know, halfway through. And I actually felt better in that practice when I had those biscuits. And I was like, Hmm. So maybe I was wrong in thinking this is something I can't have. Um, so I kind of fought back forth on, on, you know, wanting to have that more often, but then still like, is it really good for me? Because it has a long list of ingredients on it. Like, I, I just don't know. Like I fought with myself a lot, but it was those Belvita breakfast biscuits that I slowly started to have. Like I just had it like that one day. And then I, I, I tried to have it like a couple of times before practice and, as I slowly started to add more food like that before, um, 
before practices and started to experience how much better I felt in those practices is when I kind of started to realize a little bit of the role that food played um, in having energy and in being able to perform. Um, but I still had this sort of denial piece too and, and, and worry and anxiety in um, eating more. So it was kind of this back and forth thing, but that's really what started it. And um, that's what I kind of tried to remind myself of in those moments when I was scared to eat that more food. It was like, do you remember how much better you felt when you practiced after having those amazingly delicious <laughs> breakfast biscuits? Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of where it, where it started. And that's something, a feeling I tried to remind myself of again, when I, when I, when I had those struggle times. Yeah. And basically what you did there was performed cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself because at the end of the day that's what it comes down to like we have these thoughts and they're just thoughts they don't mean anything other than it's a thought uh, they're not truth it's not fact it's literally just a thought and what we typically do with with clients is challenge those thoughts because as humans it's just human nature oh well i had a thought so it must be true and we never actually take the time to think is this thought actually rooted in truth or is this just something that popped up into my head because and you know there's usually a reason why we're having it it could be past experience it could be you know a parent said something a coach said something a friend said something and then all of a sudden we have this thought in our mind but most of the time it's not it's not based in truth. It's not based in fact. And so being able to like challenge, is this actually true? And then being able to see for yourself, like, okay, well, based off of the evidence, based off of experience, I see that this is not true. Like I can actually eat this and perform better. So maybe that thought that I ha was having wasn't really true. I think that that's really the power when, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you make that mindset shift? And kind of like we're talking about now, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to constantly challenge those thoughts. You have to find out like, well, why, where's that story coming from? And what is the truth of the matter? And how can I challenge that? And is there another story that actually feels a little bit more accurate? And can I rewrite that narrative? And it, again, everybody's different, but the process is still the same. It's just putting in the reps over time, constantly challenging those thoughts, and then coming up with a better narrative that supports what you're trying to do. Um, as you were kind of getting into, like, you're getting into CrossFit, you started fueling your body more appropriately, you started feeling better, you kind of started to break out of that, you know, that mindset of restriction and deprivation. Um, were there any, like, certain anchors maybe you can talk about this from like current state that you kind of hold on to that keep you steady because I think there is uh, there's always a balance and I hate throwing that word around but um, like for me I know that I have like in a huge appetite I can out eat anybody don't challenge me I'll out eat you <laughs> anybody anytime um, that is just like I have a huge appetite I can put away a lot of food in one sitting and not even get full um, so I know that about myself and there's times where you know I indulge and and I eat a lot and you know I'll go out on the weekends and I like to have a drink on occasion uh, but I always know that I've got anchors that are going to keep me where I want to be as like a lifestyle level of leanness that allows me to enjoy my life, but still have the body that I want, the mindset that I want. So, you know, for me, it's like movement is so important to me. I'm always going to be moving my body, um, challenging myself mentally. I'm always going to, you know, be reading or trying to learn new things. Um, drinking enough water is another one for me. Um, getting like quality foods most of the time. So getting in my veggies, that sort of thing. So I've got these anchors that kind of, I always know that 
at a bare minimum, I, I can hit those anchors. Have you established anything like that for yourself as, as you've gone through that process? Yeah, I think one thing um, that sticks out to me is when I was really um, kind of going through this journey, one thing I really lost was um, kind of being in tune with my body and my hunger and my fullness cues because I kind of went from being hungry all the time and super focused on when I was going to be able to eat next um, into a transition period where I was like, I don't really know if I'm hungry or if I'm not or what's really going on. And then as I started to work with a coach and actually start to feel my body, I went into a major surplus to try to kind of help myself gain weight and feel performance, fuel my performance. Um, and then I just was stuffed all the time. And I still was just, I was putting down food even when I like, I kind of thought I was full, but I didn't know. I was like, all I know is I have this food plugged in and I need to eat it because I need to eat this much every single day to get where I want to be. And so I, I was just all over the place and really <laughs> was not in tune with my body um, until kind of, I would say maybe the last like four or five months, I tried to really slow down um, when it came to, to eating. And just like you said, making good food food choices is something that's been a huge anchor for me. It's like, I learned that if I'm buying whole minimally processed foods, cooking the majority by myself or not by myself, but at home, you know, whether that be with David or whether that be with my mom, whatever, um, cooking for myself, eating good foods, I don't really necessarily have to be so stressed about what I'm eating and how much, as long as I can also be able to understand when I'm hungry and when I'm full. Um, and so as I started to eat slower and be able to recognize, like when I was starting to get full again, and, um, I would still, you know, eat a little bit more past that because I knew in order to, to gain weight and be at my goals, I needed to do that. And it also felt good to enjoy being full again, because for a long time I feared that feeling. Um, and so one thing that has helped me is just learning that now and not feeling like I need to be, you know, overstuffing myself and, and actually sitting with the feeling of being hungry because it's not necessarily a bad thing and that you don't have to, um, consume as soon as you start feeling hungry. Um, it just is a natural process of not eating after a few hours. Um, and so it's kind of starting to learn my body and, and eat amounts of food that make me feel good and notice too, that if I'm still hungry, one thing that I used to is water, like you said, you know, drink a good glass of water and then kind of wait a little bit and just take my time and then see, am I still hungry? Okay. Then yeah, maybe it's because I just had a really hard workout. And so I am a little extra hungry. So let's grab a little extra something, but my choices are good food. So I don't have to worry. Um, in that sense, that's one thing for me that's huge is, and I don't eat good food because I feel like I have to, it's because it's like what I enjoy most of the time. Um, so that's a huge thing too. Um, and water is definitely an, and then just exer exercise too. And it's, it's, I know that I work out at a hard intensity because I love to, it's not because I feel like I have to, that's why I went through that for a long time too, is I have to work out really hard. If I want to try to stay in the shape that I'm in, um, if I want to prevent myself from gaining weight, I need to hit the gym hard and for a long time, but since doing CrossFit and doing, um, really enjoying my workouts again and it, being okay with only working out for like 35, 40 minutes, because it is generally at a higher intensity. Um, and I enjoy that. I just love getting in and getting that workout. So yeah, I would agree that that's definitely one for me too. Um, but what's been a huge game changer for me too, is knowing, listening to my body and knowing that it's okay to take days off too. Um, and so I think the, the biggest thing that's 
kind of been a game changer for me is just getting in tune with my body again and trusting it because I have been going through this process for so long and I did learn so much. Um, I, I just, I just wanted to trust myself again um, and know that I'm making good food choices. I'm drinking my water and I'm getting good movement in. And so when you consider those three things, going out on a Friday night or a Saturday night um, are just part of being healthy and being happy and enjoying time with friends and time with family. Um, so that was kind of a long winded response, but at the end of the day, it really does come down to, you know, having good food the most of the time, the exercise and, and water is, I just love water. I feel like I'm thirsty a lot. So I just, I just drink it. And so, um, but that, it wasn't always that way, right? Like for a period of time, I went through trying to drink sparkling waters to help me not feel so hungry and things like that. So, Really, I'm just thankful for taking the time and, and putting an emphasis on learning, learning my body and its cues. Yeah. And I think that that is like the most important thing. You know, we talk about it a lot with, you know, clients like understanding biofeedback. I think that the challenging part oftentimes is that sometimes when we are in the thick of it, we don't realize how shitty we feel until we actually feel better. So like I'll work with somebody and they'll come to me eating a thousand calories a day. And I'm like, okay, how's your energy? And like, yeah, energy's fine. And they don't have any issues. And it's like, okay. And then we start to build calories up and then all of a sudden they're at like 16, 1700 calories and like, how's the energy? And like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on fire. I didn't realize how lethargic I really was until I actually felt better. And that's the same thing. You know, sometimes we actually lose that, that hunger. So that can be a sign of some, some serious metabolic adaptation that's going on. You know, there's a lot of times when we're dieting, we're restricting calories where we feel hungry all the time, but then all of a sudden that feeling goes away. And now we're eating a thousand calories and not even feeling hungry, which is definitely a major red flag. And it's like, like you said, you almost have to relearn how to get back in tune with your body and listen to those signals. And, and it's like, what does, what does hunger really feel like? What does fullness really feel like? And, and getting back in touch with that is so important. Um, I know that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do with, with our clients is, is, a lot of it's based on those biofeedback signals and understanding hunger cues and cravings and your mood, you know, like you talked about being miserable all the time and like having a short temper and, you know, blowing up on people. Like there's probably something going on here that's nutrition related. We often don't associate mood with nutrition, but it's one of the, the biggest impacts that we can have, um, you know, sleep quality and stress and digestion, all these things that tell us what's going on. Um, but, but really being able to reconnect with that is such an important part of the process. Um, so I know we're kind of running up against it on time. Um, curious, do you, did you notice with some of your teammates and, and other athletes that you spent time with that um, there was uh, more of like, I guess, propensity for disordered eating in like female athletics where did you kind of notice any of that or were you exposed to it? I think the thing for me is like, as I was going through it, I was really in denial that I was going through and that that's what was actually going on. Like I wanted so badly for a good portion of it to believe that what I was doing wasn't actually unhealthy and that nothing was really wrong. Um, and so I didn't really take time to consider that other people were going through this also because I think I didn't want to talk about it because I was kind of ashamed of what I was going through and what I was doing to myself in a weird way. Um, and so I tried to kind of hide it. And um, so I didn't really take, like I said, the time to consider that. But once I stopped hiding from what was going on um, and it kind of didn't start happening until after I had graduated, but 
I started speaking out about my story as I knew that this is what I wanted to use to help people because going through it, I, I remember so vividly, like a few times sitting there, like, why me? Like, why am I going through this? Like, this is not something I ever thought would happen to me. Like, I just can't comprehend why this is happening. And, you know, as I started to like get into coaching, I realized why it, it's a part of, you know, my journey. It's, it's because it's, it's for me to use it to help others. Um, and so as I started getting the courage to kind of speak out about my story and, and using it and not being ashamed of it, but um, trying to use it to show others that it's okay, like to go through these things, it happens. It's, it's not fun and it's awful, but it's something that does happen. And as I, like I said, as I started to speak out about it, I started to hear from a lot of athletes um, that either I played with, I played against, um, you know, people that I never really spoke to, but that something resonated about my story with them. And there's, it's, it's hard for me to hear that because it hurts me to hear somebody resonate with anything that I was going with or going through because I don't want anybody to experience that. But at the same time, it made me so like happy to be able to hear from them early in their journey to be able to help them. Um, so while I was going through it, I didn't really recognize that that's like a thing that athletes go through because you think it shouldn't be right. Like life is good. You're a college athlete. You got all these friends that you're playing the game that you love with and life is good, but you know, you can hide so much um, as you're going through something like that. So being able to now hear from many other people and help um, in their journey is when I it's it's very real, um, especially with, I think, female athletes, like you said, at the collegiate level. And it's it's really it's really hard for me to kind of let that come to light in my life. Um, and I just I just pray and hope that it becomes something that's it's not so it's not so hidden. And it's something that people start to feel that they can reach out for help. Um and, and kind of recognize that early signs of things that aren't, aren't normal, you know, that, that really deep focus on food, um, that worry about food, that anxiety around social events, like those types of things early on, um, to be able to feel okay speaking out about it to somebody rather than it, it being a shameful thing. Cause I think that could be the, the key time that really saves people from, and especially, I mean, young women going through, a lot of the things that me and many others have gone through and a lot of coaches, right? Like, I think that's where we want to coach. It's, it's our own story that has brought us to this point. So I just can only hope and pray that it becomes something that's, I don't want to say normalized, but that's not so like, it's that it's so, 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 so to be ashamed of, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that's why conversations like this help. And then for somebody like yourself to be like living that, you know, living proof and living your purpose and being able to help other women who are going through the same thing. I do think that with, especially with, with athletes and the female athlete, it's like, there's that mindset of being an athlete. So you you have that competitive drive and there's almost this pressure. So it's like, well, no, I can't admit to anything. I, I just have to take it all in stride and pretend like I got this. And, and I think that that mindset sometimes is it's, it's the gift because it allows you to compete and perform at a high level, but it's also the curse because it's like, well, I don't want to reach out for help. I don't want to show that vulnerability. I don't want to show weakness. Um, so it kind of is that, that double-edged sword. But I think that again, just bringing awareness to it is so helpful. And um, I never openly plug 
coaching on this show because I truly just make this about information and education and bringing on people like yourself. But for anybody that is struggling, um, who resonates with Taylor's story, I highly recommend reaching out about coaching because this is like repairing a relationship with food and repairing a relationship with your body. That is everything. Um, that truly is like, that is that the, you know, I talk a lot about dietary freedom and that is the most important thing is getting to that place where you can enjoy yourself, your life, the people around you and, um, and just feel good about it and not have to stress and not have that anxiety. Um, and that really, um, I, I'm excited that, that you're a part of the team and, and I know that you're going to, continue to change a lot of lives and inspire a lot of people. So um, for anybody that wants to reach out, I will share um, Taylor's Instagram handle in the show notes, but you can apply for, for pop coaching because now she's one of us. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this, uh, this new beginning. It's, it's going to be amazing. And, and just to continue the path that we're on and um, to continue to impact so many people like we have already. And, and you're a huge asset in, in that mission. So um, thank you for, for sharing your story. Um, if you want to drop your Instagram handle, um, you can just shout it out and then everybody will know where to connect with you. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, and the second of all, it's just my name, Taylor at Taylor Higginbotham, but there's three G's in there. So I feel like it's just easier if you probably spell it out on the show notes, because yep. otherwise I'm going to talk for another three minutes trying to spell it out. <laughs> Perfect. I will absolutely... the three G's. <laughs> All right. I got you. Three G's. I will post that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you.